Thank you for joining us for this unfinished series. We're so glad that you're a part of this discussion. We're learning that the book of Acts is unfinished and so is your story. God is writing your story and it's got purpose and meaning ahead. And we hope you'll find a little bit of encouragement in the talk that we have today. Stay tuned to the end. I'll have more information for you. And thanks again for joining us for this special series called Unfinished. kidding me. Uh, we're doing this again. That would have been something that I probably would have thought if I was in Paul's shoes in uh, the text that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to take a look at roughly 24 pages in your uh, Acts journals this morning. We're going to travel through about, uh, sorry, the middle part of chapter 21 and uh, get through chapter 26 this morning. But uh, uh, in, in chapter 26, it's kind of the conclusion of what has been two years of Paul kind of being a, a political ping-pong ball that's gotten shipped back and forth and passed around, and he's gone through all these trials and defenses. Uh, he's just come out of a period of two-plus years where, where somebody had him, had him in jail for that time, and just a, a few days earlier, he had, he had met again with a new politician that, that wanted to know what was going on with him. And then they brought him forward to meet now with a king and his sister. And once again, Paul is telling his story. And I would have just been fed up at this point. Like, I, I keep going through and, and saying the same things over and over again, and, and nothing seems to be changing. Thankfully, Paul had uh, a little bit of a different perspective and uh, took, took more advantage of the situation. And so what we see in our, in our text is that, that Paul actually uses all of his circumstances to talk and to share about Jesus. And he does it through, through kind of his, his story. And so we see here at the, towards the end of our passage that we're going to get to, he's standing before Agrippa, who is this, this king, and this fifth time that, that he's sharing his story. And, and, and Paul was pretty good at sharing his story, because here it says, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And, and Paul, Paul used his story to invite others to become followers of Jesus in whatever circumstance he found himself. And our big lesson this morning is this, that your God's story can change anyone's eternity. Your God's story can change anyone's story. And we're going to look through it, uh, look at it through these four chapters. And, but before we, 
we dive in, I want to make one slight little detour and just explain what in the world am I talking about when we talk about God's story. So sometimes you might hear this called your faith story. Sometimes you might hear it called your testimony. And I want, I want to call it this morning, I use those terms, those are great ways to talk about it. I want to call it a God story this morning because just as Tyler said as we were singing, I want to remind us of the fact that really our stories, the power of our stories is what God has done in us and what he can do in other people's lives. And so to, for, for that to be the case, there kind of needs to be three essential elements, right? So the first element is the truth, okay? Your story needs to be the truth. So unlike George Santos, your story does not need improving, right? Like you are not just making up stories to, to, to have a more persuasive account. I remember there was a time in the past when, when somebody walked into church and they had literally walked to church from a halfway house. And they were there, to, they, they wanted to, to connect with Jesus, connect with faith. They weren't quite sure what all was happening, but they knew a church would be a good place to go. And I remember talking with this person and thinking, man, maybe I should just like kind of spice up my story a little bit or something to, to be more relatable to this individual. Because my story is something like this. I grew up in a pastor's home and I heard the gospel from before I was born, if that's possible. And uh, one night, uh, I asked my parents a couple of questions and a few questions, and I prayed in my room to accept Jesus as my Savior after understanding that when I was in trouble with mom and dad, I was in trouble with more than just mom and dad, and that that trouble was with God, and uh, there was big consequences for that. And that's my story. And so in that moment when I was interacting with this gentleman that walked through the halfway house, I thought, what, how in the world is this going to, to relate or in, encourage this person? So let me just encourage you. Your story is powerful because God is in it. Not because it's some crazy circumstance where you had a, a miraculous encounter with Jesus or you were in the, you know, the throes of death, or you were part of four gangs that were warring against each other, or, or whatever the case. Some of that may be true for some of you, and that's great if that's your story, but if it's not, that's okay too, because God is at work in you. And the second thing that, that we want to make sure that we don't miss here is we need to make sure that Jesus is an essential part of our story. Paul does this really well. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, he's talking and he's, he's talking to this king and these, all these people. We're going to circle back to this later in, the, in our time together. But he says, uh, delivering you from your people and the, from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then if we jump down to verse 23, this is a page 150 uh, in your journals. If you're tracking along, you can pick one of the 24 pages to write notes on uh, this morning. But uh, verse 23, that Christ may suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. 
And so, if our story is truly going to be a God story, Jesus has to be in it. Okay? You need to share Jesus. You need to, to share what Jesus has done for you, of moving you from darkness to light, of extending forgiveness of sins, of transforming your life. And that's the last, the last part is, an essential element is transformation. We're telling a story of transformation. Just this week, the, the youth group was, was talking with the kids, or maybe it was last week, uh, about sharing your God story with, with their friends. And, and they were talking with that, and, and Torah, I happened to bring Torah over for youth group that night, and we got into the car afterwards, and, and we're talking about it. And she's like, that, I, I don't know how to do this. You know, she came to faith, and it's a great story. There was a, a family, a Hispanic family, that had trusted Christ. The pastor's kid, she got, like, stuck at church while I was sharing the gospel for, like, 45 minutes with this family. They trusted Christ, and she was sitting in my office with mom, sort of patiently waiting, and, and that. And then they said, what in the world were you talking about, Dad? And we shared the gospel with her again. And she's like, what? I'm ready to do that. I want to do that, too. And that was the day that she trusted Christ and Savior. But she's like, Dad, we've gone to church our whole life. I don't know what's changed. I don't know what's different. Uh, let me tell you, even the most mundane of our stories are miraculous. There is so much transformation that even those of us that grew up in church and, and are relatively good people and, and, and all of that, there is something cosmically miraculous that is happening when we place our faith in Jesus. We're going from death, spiritually dead, to alive with God forever. We are going from being guilty in our, in our sins and, and deserving of punishment to being forgiven and righteous because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We're going from, from having experienced shame and, and isolation to being adopted as one of God's chosen children. And we share in the inheritance of heaven with Jesus forever. We're going from, from being on the wrong side, enemies of God, on Satan's team, to being victors with Christ and God. And so no matter the circumstances that have brought you to a point of placing your faith in Jesus, there is an incredible transformation that happens in our lives when that, that takes place. And if you want to know more about that, you can talk with our prayer team afterwards, but even right now, you could make the decision to have that transformation become a reality in your life. Let's jump back into to our, our account. And remember, our, our point here is that, that your God's story can change anyone's eternity. Your God's story can change anyone's eternity. And we're going we're gonna, to look at five defenses that Paul gives before various people. And from that, we're going to get five powerful principles for, for unlocking the power of your story. 
And so I, I enjoy skipping rocks. I don't know why. I, I could literally sit by a river or a lake and just do it all day long. There's something soothing about it for me. Uh, but we're kind of doing like a, a rock skip approach to this, this uh, text this morning, right? So we're going to fly in, we're going to hit, we're going to skip and move on and, and go through there. But, but uh, hopefully we can kind of get a sense of what's, uh, what's going on in this passage. And the first, the first principle is this, is that your story, your God's story can silence anger. So we're skipping back now to, to the middle part of, of chapter 21. And what's going on in this story is that Paul has come back to Jerusalem to visit the believers there and, and to interact with some people. And there are some, not, some unbelieving Jews that have been in the, the places where Paul has been planting churches. And they know that Paul is preaching the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And, and, and they, they're, they're maybe misinterpreting some of the implications of that, but they're, they're really upset that, and thinking Paul is, is changing everything about their lives. And that's like half true. Um, and so they, they come in, and, and Paul's there, and he's, he's brought some of his friends with him. Some of them are Jewish. Some of them are Gentiles. And, and they're there, and, and they're all upset, and they rile the town up of Jerusalem because Paul is preaching in their view against the law and then he's brought, they claim, one of his Gentile friends into the temple. Now, now he didn't do that, but, but that's, the, that's the case. And they are livid to the point where they're starting like a riot in the town. They're ready to, to kill Paul. They've gotten the whole city, those that have been in the temple and all around, and everybody is fired up and wants to get rid of Paul. The Roman officials kind of step in to like, kind of like get things sort of under control, and Paul gets the Roman officials' uh, attention and, and, and asks for permission to say something. And that's where we pick up our story here in, in chapter 21. It says, when they had given him permission, this is the Roman officials, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people, and there was a great hush. And he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear to the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And here's the, the reality is, story has a unique way of silencing anger. My sister and I fought like cats and dogs growing up. It was really, really bad. There were television remotes that were used at weapons, hurled at heads. Uh, there was, there was yeah, and it always was worse when mom and dad weren't home. It was so bad one time that the neighbors almost called the police on us because they thought one of us surely was killing the other person. <clears throat> it was bad. What happens? Dad comes home, and what does he ask for? Tell me what happened. And so one of us would start telling this story, and then the other one would like jump in. No, 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 wait, you'll get your turn. Tell me what happened. And we'd tell the story. Okay, now, you tell me your side of the story. And what was he doing? Well, he was doing a couple of things. One, he wanted to know what in the world why he got a crazy call from the neighbor, like, get home. Uh, there may be a murder scene. 
But two, he, he, he wanted us to be able to talk rationally with one another. And like arguing or debating is not always the greatest way to encourage rational speech. But when you're telling a story, when Paul got up and told his story, at least for a little bit of time, the people quieted and they listened to him. And the reason for that is, is because story has the potential of diffusing anger and building empathy. When you tell your story, when you tell your God's story, it allows people to enter into it and to say, oh, I can see how that happened. And even my relatively mundane, ordinary testimony of understanding that, that my, my sin, my things that I did wrong, created a bigger problem with God is a story that other people can enter into, even if they're adults, even if they're hardened criminals, even, you know, whatever the case may be, they can enter in and they say, oh, I, I can understand that. And so your story can silence anger. The, the second principle that we see as we skip on to the, the next passage here is that your God story is part of God's global plan for the ages. Your story is part of God's global plan for the ages. So there's kind of a pattern in these stories where, where Paul's about ready to die. The Roman soldiers kind of enter in, sort of to help them, but, but sort of also like for their own, for their own good. And then, then Paul tells a story. And so we, after this account, and he shares his story with the mob, gets them calmed down for a minute, they still didn't necessarily like what Paul had to say. And so they took Paul back to the army barracks to, to keep him overnight. And it, and it, and it starts out in this story uh, that, that, uh, that they were going to use their kind of their normal methods of finding out what was happening. And for the Roman soldiers, what that meant was they were going to beat the snot out of Paul. Okay, so they're getting ready to, to beat him up, to flog him in the, the army barracks so that, that he could, could understand, they could understand what was going on. And at the last second, Paul says, hey, 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 wait, wait. I'm a Roman citizen. I deserve a trial. So then they say, well, okay. So then the next day they bring in the, 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 the political leaders start to get involved, but the political leaders then want to hear from his accusers, the Jewish religious leaders. And so the, the next day Paul gets up and he tells the, the same story and he, and he focuses in on the resurrection because he knew that within these Jewish religious leaders there were half of them that believed in the resurrection and half of them that didn't. And so when he focused his story on the resurrection, they started fighting with one another. And the, the Roman leaders were like, okay, go back into the, the jail. These guys got to figure out what they're doing. Okay, so Paul's sitting there in jail at night, and Jesus shows up to him in, in some type of vision or, or appearance. And this is what Jesus says to him. 
He says, the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, as you've told your God story, so you must testify also in Rome. And what Jesus does in this moment is he says, Hey, Paul, you may not understand all of what's going on. And it may seem like you're starting to get jerked around and move between different people and different places. But ultimately, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to tell your story in Rome. And it's part of my big plan for the ages. It's part of what I'm doing in the world. I'm going to take you to the center of the Roman Empire, the center of the known world, and you are going to be able to share your story there. Listen, you may not understand what is happening in your life right now. You may not understand how, how little old me in, in, in Pottstown or in Spring City or Douglasville or whatever community that, that you live, how, how what I do and how sharing my story could have any impact on other people. But do you know what's true? God is working a plan for the ages on a global scale. And he's using all of his children in big and small ways that we may never understand. One of the, the questions that I often get uh, here at Branch Life, especially after people understand that my wife and I moved here from, from Chicago area to help start the churches. So how in the world did you get connected with Josh? I'm regretting that choice every moment. No. <laughs> Here's how it happened. We went to the same Christian college together. And we started, we lived for four years in the same dorm. And we started to get to know one another. And my grandma lived in the same town that we went to college at. And she allowed me to invite one or two of my friends from the dorm. Uh, more than that, and it was too much food that we would eat. But, but one or two of us to, the, to her place, and she would make lasagna for us. So once a week, I would bring one or two of my friends over. And, and one week, there was this new friend, Josh, that I was making, and I brought him over. And we're talking, and my grandma's like 90-something years old at this, this point in, in her life and still had a memory like a, like a steel trap. And she's asking Josh about his family and where he's from and all of that. And she puts together the fact that Josh's grandfather and my grandfather, her husband, used to be pastors together in Philadelphia about two miles apart from one another. And like 40 years before we were born, our families served in the same part of Philadelphia together. And we fast forward, we're sitting in the, the house of, at my grandma's, you know, and like, what in the world? And so Josh and I shared all sorts of experiences during college, and, and I was there, we took a big trip when he had just started dating Jenny, and you know, it was, went to Michigan and there, and may or may not have been waiting awkwardly in the car where they had their first kiss, and you know, like, <laughs> different things along the way. I was part of the little, like, uh, engagement thing that they set up and, you know, it, the different things. But then fast forward 20 years or whatever, 
And God has worked in Joshua's life to bring him to the point where he knows he's going into church planning. And God's worked in our life to bring us to a point of, of a change in ministry. And then a job in my wife's company opens up in Philadelphia, and it just all comes together. Let me tell you, when you share your story, your little old story in your little small part of the world, you never know what God is going to do. The Park family and the Greening family, God's been moving pieces together for decades for us to be here to help start Branch Life together. You don't know what God is going to do with the circumstances of your life. So just tell your story. I said it like this on the PowerPoint, so you know I mean it. You never know what might come from your story. The third principle is this, that, that, that your God story counteracts false accusations. So what's happened is there's been another attempt on, God's, on, on Paul's life. Paul's nephew finds out about it. They plead for Paul to be transferred out of Jerusalem. So now Paul is going to meet with this guy, Felix, who's sort of like a governor. And, uh, and, and they're there. the governor brings in these same Jewish leaders. is like, I got to figure out what's going, in, going on. So they make a journey for a few days. They come and they share their story. And Paul, again, shares his God story, shares his defense. And as part of this defense of him sharing what God has done, what Jesus has done in your life, Paul says this, So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. To have a clear conscience before God and man. You know, we we live in a day and age where, where being a Christian can mean that you get accused of some pretty bad things. As you say, you hate these types of people, or, or you're a bigot in this type of way, or, or this is true about you. And there's a sense in which you want to rise up and you just want to go after it and, and debate and fight all of that. But let me encourage you, just tell your story. Because what happens when you tell your story is you get to say things like, I... I love you, I love everyone because God first loved me. I believe that that everyone is equal because we all are in need of a Savior and all need to have our lives transformed by Him. And when we tell our story, we can counteract false accusations against us. When people want to say, you're like this, or you did that, or you make up some crazy story. And so whether it's your, your coworker, whether it's people that you go to school with, whether it's family or friends that, that, that get upset and make assumptions, just share your story. Because no one can argue with your God story. Okay? They may not like it. They may not believe it. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing that they're, they're all going to immediately come to Jesus and become a follower. But they can't really argue with it because it's, it's what has happened to you. It's how you've experienced the truth of the gospel transforming your life. And so I'd encourage you to, to, to share your God's story because it counteracts false accusations. The fourth uh, principle that we come to 
Paul then, so this guy Felix that he ends up with is a pretty corrupt politician, and, and there's actually historical accounts that, that detail this guy and, and what he did. So he, he interacts with Paul, he, he's, he's familiar with Christianity, he, he's doing that, um, it seems like things are going well, but then at, he, he puts him in jail, and then he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll keep him in jail, and then what always happens when people are kind of unjustly put in jail in those days, like somebody will give some money, grease the wheels, and I, I, I'll let him out. Paul, as a man of integrity, doesn't do that. And so he sits in prison for two years while Felix is waiting for a bribe. Felix, um, ultimately his term or whatever happens in that day, the, his successor comes into office. It's a guy named Festus or Pontus Festus. And now Paul is, is standing before him. And Festus, as a new politician, kind of wants to make uh, wants to make friends with the Jews. And so he knows people, even after two years, are still upset with this Paul guy. And so Festus says, hey, I'm going to take you back to Jerusalem. We're going to have this trial, and one way or the other, it'll be over. Because he wants to, to win points with the Jewish leaders. And Paul says, hey, I, I know how this is going to go. I know they're going to try to kill me. And that if I end up in Jerusalem, I'm going to probably die. Doesn't sound like a great deal. Okay, so let me, I just want to remind you this morning that your God story doesn't mean you shouldn't be wise. So what does Paul do in this? He says, wait a second. I'm going to jump into my Roman uh, citizenship here again. He says this, If I then am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which to deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. So Paul takes advantage of his, his rights as a Roman citizen. He's like, I want to go to the Supreme Court. Like, you, you can't just do this. I want it to go. I appeal to Caesar. I want it to find out what's going on. Sometimes when we, we kind of get this idea that to be a true and faithful Christian, it means that I should be willing to like parachute into Mecca, to, to, to be surrounded by, by thousands of Muslims at one of their most holy sites, and to stand up and to start preaching the good news of Jesus. And if we're not doing that, then somehow we're, we're sort of a lesser Christian. Listen, being bold in your faith, sharing your God story, doesn't mean you have to be stupid. Okay? You don't have to intentionally pursue death to be a faithful Christian. We're called to be bold. We're called to answer people when they ask us what's going on with our story. We're, 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 we want to pray and invest and invite and intentionally work to share Jesus with others. But we do not have to put ourselves in harm's way intentionally to, to faithfully be a Christian. And I would say it this way, that Jesus calls us to be willing to die for our faith, not seek it. 
okay? We should be willing to die if that's what it takes, but we don't need to seek it. And Paul, in all these goings-ons, he knows, hey, if I go here, I'm likely going to be killed in Jerusalem. So I'm going to appeal to Caesar. So don't stop being wise. Now, Paul did ultimately die a martyr's death. He was willing to die for Jesus Christ. And so we are to be radically committed to, to what God calls us to do. But that doesn't mean that we just have to, to go out and, and seek our own death for the, for the sake of Christ. Our last principle as we, we think about our story this morning is we're going to come back to our last chapter here. And that your God's story can be told to anyone. We learned a little bit about Felix and, and, and how he was corrupt, but, but look at the, the people that are participating in this final account. It says, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice, who is his sister, arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. Festus was the guy that was trying to curry favor with the Jewish leader. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with, a, with great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. And then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. We can share our story with anyone. Okay, here was a whole litany of crazy people. And it's not just that they were powerful. Okay, there was all sorts of corruption that was going on. We've already seen that kind of how this worked. There was some, some credible rumors of an inappropriate relationship between Agrippa and his sister. Like, this whole thing was a mess. They, they brought in people. They're, they're kind of lackeys and, and the other leaders. And so Paul is standing in front of these people. And just like, if it were me, I would be like, I don't think I can say anything. I remember one time uh, when I was in high school, my sister was having surgery at the, the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, and um, we had a friend that was the chaplain for the 76ers. And he invited us to, to come to a game to go to chapel. And so we, my dad and my mom and I uh, went, I left my sister in the hospital, I kind of feel guilty about that. <laughs> but we, we went to the game and uh, to the 76, we went to chapel. It was in the spectrum back in those days. And uh, we're down in, in some hallway there, and they were playing the Orlando Magic. And I walk out of the chapel, and I turn the corner, I'm walking down. And then all of a sudden, Shaquille O'Neal is in the hallway. Shaquille O'Neal is a big dude. <laughs> like, just took up the whole hallway. And all I could do was like, uh, I, like, and he like gave me a high, you know, high five, said something to me. And like, when we're around people, either because they're just massive or because they, they, they have political power or, or because they're like our uncle that we've lived our whole life with or, or whatever the case may be, we can get nervous and, and not know what to say. Here's what you can do. Share your God story. Share your testimony. When you don't know what else to say, and you have an opportunity, just to share what Jesus has done in your life. 
and done for you. Because you can talk to anyone. Paul was standing in front of all of these people, and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ with them. When you don't know what to say, share your God story. We've kind of skipped through and, and encouraged you, but, but the power of your story, and I had this, this part highlighted before, but is that Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Like, I want everyone that's here, besides me being arrested, to be like me. Like, saved, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, I've gotten a few remarks already this morning. You've endured this morning me up here wearing an Ohio State shirt. I, ch I chose this for a, a reason this morning, not just to annoy you. Our family has been Ohio State fans for generations. Like it, hate it, that's all right. It's still going to be happening. One of my missions in life is to make sure that my kids become Ohio State fans. <laughs> okay, that's just true. They show up here in sweatshirts, you give them grief, it doesn't matter. I'm so proud of my, my daughter, Tora. She stands up to those bullies at school that tell her that Penn State's better. You know, she, she goes after them. It's great. Here's the reality. A lot of us, maybe me sometimes, can be more committed to making sure our kids have the right sports allegiances than whether or not the people in our lives are following Jesus. Whether short or long, I would that God to God that you are not that you are a Christian like me. Who are you going to share your God story with this week? The butterfly effect is a is a theory, a scientific theory that says like some butterfly jumps off a plant in Africa, and it sets off a cascade of events where then you have a hurricane that, that comes. And then a little action sets off a set, series of, of reaction that, that, in, that involves a big conclusion. Who knows what will come from you sharing your story this week? You have your connection cards I would love to literally know. You can just write down their name, their initial whoever it may, may be, but I would love to hear uh, from you who you are praying that God may give you an opportunity to share your God story with. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for this time to tra travel through your word. God, we're thankful for the example of Paul and how he used his story of faith in Jesus uh, to, to share the gospel with many, many people. God, help us to do the same type of thing. God, our stories are not powerful because of how good we tell them. Our stories are not powerful uh, because of, of how dramatic uh, the human circumstances are. But our stories are powerful because of what you have done for us. And God, we praise you in this moment for being the God that saves. For being the God that, that transforms lives.
for, for being the God that, that moves people from, from death to life, from, from guilty to forgiven, from, from shamed to honor. And God, help us to confidently share how you've done that in our life with others, even this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening through this entire talk. I hope there was something for you that was encouraging and challenging and that you can walk away with today. But before you walk away, please go to branchlife.church and check in. Fill out your connection card. Let us know that you worshiped online. We'd love to hear from you, to pray for you, and to connect with you in this way. We hope you'll join us again next time as we continue on with this special series or the next series ahead. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.